Hey everyone, Andrew here. I appreciate you joining in for another episode of Our Last Mill. And before I get in, I'd like to just say, if you haven't yet, please go rate, review, subscribe, uh, whatever you can to help try to grow the show. I uh, said before, I'll say again, this is ad-free, this is a passion project. My whole goal with this show is to try to help people have conversations around grief and try to normalize that. So... If you believe in what I'm doing, if you get any enjoyment out of this whatsoever, or if you think somebody else might enjoy it, please just take time to, like I said, rate, review, and just share it with someone. Okay, let's jump in. Long time ago, before I was a husband, a father, and a responsible adult, I did stand-up comedy. When I tell people this now... The first question is always, were you any good? And I think the fact that I'm not still doing it, that's proof enough that I wasn't. And that's okay. I found out that I'm capable of being the funny guy at work, just not the funny guy that you pay money to see. And I've come to terms with that. Stand-up comedy was a very cathartic thing for me, though. It was something I did that helped me scratch a creative itch I had. It also helped me work out different things that I was going through in my life in a way that just gave me some sense of control and understanding. Podcasting has been very similar in that regard. It's helped me to process in a way that makes sense to me. It's helped connect me to people from all over the world and allow them to share their stories. My guest this week has a similar story. Finding a way to process through his podcast things like parenthood, the diagnosis of autism later in life, and then also loss and grief. Always give a trigger warning up top. The show does talk about death, so just please be mindful as you listen. Hello and welcome to Our Last Mill. I'm your host, Andrew, and my guest this week is host of the Touched Out podcast, Carter. Carter, thanks for joining me. Thanks very much for having me, Andrew. Yes, I'm glad we could finally get this worked out. We were kind of chatting before the recording. We've uh, both had to, we've had to mix it around a couple times to make this work, but I'm really glad that we finally got the chance. Yeah, no, me too. I've uh, I've been sitting talking to my wife about it for what seems like months now, and I'm like, oh, I'm really keen to get on this podcast. And every time, like the day of, a couple of hours before we were supposed to meet, you know, my kids had to be pulled out of daycare because of sickness, and then I was sick, and then yeah, just back and forth, typical family yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, I get it. I um, I'm still. I told you, I'm still getting over. And if anyone listening, if I sound completely off, it's because I am. I'm uh, getting over something. I don't know what it was that uh, I picked up from my daughter. So. Always, of a always a fun family, time right? yeah always a fun time yeah. <laughs> yeah no but i i appreciate you coming on and you know you talk about the family and i'll you know we'll have you talk more about that later but i know that family's a big important focus for you and, and what you do with your podcast right correct yeah so i mean my my family in itself is the entire reason i started the podcast it was a way of uh me learning more about myself and uh, how to navigate fatherhood and being uh, whole, entire, complete, and emotionally regulated person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I—that's a really interesting way to look at it because 
in a similar vein, I started podcasting to help process grief. And it's, I, the more I've done this, and this is going to sound really, I don't care. This might sound, you know, cheesy. I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, it's been really, it's been really interesting for me because it is, it is an art form being able to have a conversation with people and try to do so in a meaningful way. But I feel like it's also, it is really, so it's a creative outlet, but it's also, it's a great way to process, you know, and I would say, I would say learn about yourself because it feels like, you know, going through the process of, okay, what do I want this to be? How do I want this to flow? All of that. It is, you, you, you have to learn a lot about yourself along the way. Yeah, 100%. Not only that, like as a creative outlet, there's so many kind of intricacies that you, you have to learn from the ground up, you know, graphic design for social media, social media marketing, editing, audio engineering, like, and just being able to talk to people. And also, I never realized how much I say, um, and all of that crap until (laughs) I started podcasting and I had to edit it all out. It's, uh, it makes me angry. (laughs) Yeah. Every, every time I do a recording, I hear myself say, um, I just, cringe a little I, I catch it as I'm saying it and I still do it anyway yeah luckily you. after after like maybe five or six episodes edited you start to be able to um, anticipate when the arm is going to be just by the waveform you're like oh yeah. there's one coming <laughs> <laughs> that looks like an arm right there that's an arm <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um, yeah but no I appreciate you joining so I mean clearly you're you're in Australia right I am yeah I'm just outside of Melbourne Victoria you are, you're the second or third person I've had on the show from Australia. And it's, this is, you know, going back to just how, how cool this, this whole process is. I mean, getting to speak to people from literally all over the world and just getting so many different perspectives. I love that part of what I'm doing. And yeah. Yeah. It's what's that been cool. like for you? Yeah. It's very, very much the same uh, because my podcast is, is uh, it's a mental health and parenting podcast, but it more focuses mm-hmm. on, the parents themselves and their mental health battles and journeys so we kind of delve into their their history with mental health any like pre-diagnosed things you know um i talk to a lot of people with bpd or bipolar or um generalized anxiety disorder things like that we go through like childhood traumas and the way in which that shaped them into young adults and then adulthood and then their mindset going into parenthood their pregnancy journeys their birth traumas uh, and how all of those things put together has molded them into parenting and how they parent their kids and try to better themselves and better their kids to ensure that everyone kind of comes out of out of life um, you know pretty uh, regulated as far as their emotional well-being goes I love that so it, it, the coolest thing apart about it is yeah well like worldwide mental health is uh is one language, you know, same with grief. It's, it's the same thing worldwide. So I've talked to people in America, Canada, England. Uh, I had uh, an amazing lady on from Israel who was like a judo champion and uh, was wow. a boot camp instructor for the Israeli army. And just, you know, hearing her story and how her methods of parenting kind of intersect with some of mine and like we shared some of the same... Uh, thoughts and feelings it it was pretty cool you know this is someone that I never ever in my life would have been able to speak to if not for the podcast so yeah very thankful feel very blessed yeah 
I, I, I love the way you approach that and just your whole feelings about it. Because, I mean, you, you, you're right. I mean, this is a really universal – these are universal things, you know. Not everyone's a parent, of course, but everyone has some idea of what – I guess what either parenthood is, what, what it was to them at some point, what it could be for them, whether – you know, they have opinions whether or not they want to be parents. They don't want to be parents. Mm-hmm. And it is similar with grief. I mean, these are things that are – across across time across space across culture i mean they are universal things and i think everyone handles them differently but i think we can all relate to them and it's i do wish more people would try to approach just life in general with that idea of okay what do we have in common versus what do we have that divides us yeah 100 percent. emotions and all things surrounding that mental health it's not gendered has nothing to do yeah. with your sex it has nothing to do with your religion people feel people and it doesn't matter if you're a catholic or uh, you know or you're, if you're jewish or um, muslim or anything like that sadness is sadness no matter which way you want to try to dissect it i i don't think i could have said that any better myself that's that's perfect i might actually steal that from you and just use that as the trailer for the show <laughs> go for it mate <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, hey, you know, this is, I feel like this is a good time to, to kind of shift a little bit into our topic today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tell me about who we were going to speak about today. Who are they? Who are they to you? We are going to speak about my mother. Uh, so my mum passed away in uh, 2015, three days before Christmas, after a 16-year battle with breast cancer. Mm. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. I... I can't imagine that time makes it a whole lot better, but I'm sorry to hear that. It's um, it's a weird thing. It's something that I talk about at length on my podcast, and I've also released like a bonus mini episode for Mother's Day that's just passed um, where I kind of delve into the entire history of, of her breast cancer journey and um, the emotional turmoil it caused me and whatnot. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's something that I'm very used to discussing. It's not something that ever stops hurting. It's not something that I will ever get over, but it's something that I just have to allow myself to evolve with. And when I feel, I allow myself to feel, and that may be any number of emotions, and sometimes the emotions are all mixed together. You know, I might have a memory where it makes me smile and then makes me cry. And I I just allow myself to feel those things. And it's daily. It never never gets better. Yeah, I I think that right there, what you just said, is um, one of the things that I've I've kind of seen consistently from talking with people is that it's it doesn't get better; it gets different. You become you 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 can live with it more, I guess. Or you can sit with it more, but it doesn't make it hurt less. Yeah, I think the the most important thing in my grief journey is. Well, one, allowing myself to feel instead of blocking it off yeah. and talking about it and things like that, which is super important for any type of emotional aspect. Um, but it all depends on my own mental health on that day. You know, if I'm having a good day and something reminds me of her or if my daughter, Hendrix, who, who never got to meet her, if she, like, looks at her photo and brings up why Nan Nan doesn't come and visit her and all that sort of stuff, like... If I'm having a bad day, I'll shut down a little bit and I'll, you know, get pretty sad. But there's some days where you just like, it's just really celebratory and it's just this really nice feeling of like being able to talk about her and 
remember her and recount memories that that's the only way we can keep them alive you know they stay alive through our memories and through our stories yeah that um you kind of touched on this but you know the, the the good days where you think about them that first time that you think about somebody you've lost and it's and it is on a good day and the memory makes you smile instead of makes you sad that to for me personally that was a turning point in grief right you know the first time I, you know, I, I always go back to my grandfather was the reason I started this. I, you know, the first time I thought of him or my daughter asked me about him and I got to kind of chuckle a little bit and talk about, you know, what a silly man he was versus be, you know, be sad that he wasn't here anymore. That was a, that was a big day, mm-hmm. right? That was a, and I don't even know that I stopped to appreciate it in the moment, but that was a big day. And it's something that's gotten progressively Again, I don't know that better or easier is the right way, but over time it's gotten different. It's, it ebbs and flows, doesn't it? You know, you'll, you'll always yeah. have your good days and your bad days. And it's the same for every aspect of life. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm very much a believer that life is very much a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you have the good times, the bad times, and I've tried to explain this to people before without sounding pessimistic, but I try to, when I'm in the good times, remind myself that, hey, there will be bad times to keep me grounded a little bit. But when I'm in the bad times, I have to remember good times will come again. They've been here before. They will come again. Yeah. It's all and about balance. Everything balances yeah, out in the end. Yeah, and it's 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 odd how life has that way of doing that. It, it does balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so, and the, you know, those balances can, can kind of go off kilter when you allow yourself to live in that grief for too long. And that's when your mental health issues yeah. start popping up and... You start just tipping tipping it negatively. Yeah. I want to come back to that in a moment because I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. But before we do that, can you tell me more about your mother, the kind of person that she was? Ah, oh, she was awesome. She had her faults, as everyone does, but we won't go into that yeah. today because I'll honor her memory in an overwhelmingly positive light. She, she was great. Look, she, she had a hard life. Um, she... We'll just go from, you know, when I was born. We won't delve into before that. Well, before I'll start very young. I think her mother passed from breast cancer when she was 16. She was the eldest of, I think, five kids. Uh, So she ended up kind of taking on a a lot more responsibility from a young age. She had an amazing work work ethic. She was a very, very hardworking individual. Um, She was full of life and laughter and love. And she was awesome. She... Um, her and my father uh, divorced when I was five. Um, so there was a lot of drama around that. And then her and I lived together. My brother stayed with my father and my sister ended up moving out. She's 11 years older than me. So uh, it was just for a lot, for quite a while, it was just me and her uh, up until I was around 11 years old. And she met her new partner slash husband. We ended up all moving to a different town to live with him and shortly thereafter is when she was diagnosed with breast cancer so I was 12 years old Uh, I think it was 1999 Um, so I came home from school one day and she was sitting at the table and like I instantly knew something was off I thought like she'd found something in my room that she shouldn't have found so I was like instantly scared. I was like, fuck, what's going on? I'm in trouble here. <laughs> She's like, you know, come sit down. We need to talk. And she was like, a few uh, a few weeks ago, I 
found a lump in my breast and I went to the doctors and got some tests done and then today the doctors um, told me that it's cancer. And Jesus, like that, it's such a defining memory in my life, you know, like it's one of those things that I can still remember so, so clearly, but everything after she told me that she's got cancer is such a blur. It's just white noise because I was just, just hit, you know, I was just, yeah. my breath was taken away because so I was like, I'm, I'm 12 years old. I've just moved to this brand new town with, I'm living in a house that's not my house. It's someone else's. This man's essentially a stranger. Um, I have no friends. I'm going to a new school and now my mum's going to die. That's fucking terrifying, dude. <laughs> like I was, I just yeah. felt so alone. So would you say that, because I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that is an immense amount of pressure on a 12 year old. Because I mean, 12, 12 was already hard enough. 12 is not fun in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Did you, did your grieving process start then? Did you, do you think that you, did you look at it that way? Maybe you didn't look at it that way at the time, but I mean, looking back now with the, the benefit of age and wisdom, I mean, do you think it started then or do you think it started later? Um, no, my grief didn't happen until after she passed. My mum was very, very, very positive from the get-go. She was like, I'm going to fucking beat this thing. I am not dying because of cancer and I will not let it define me or my life or my legacy. And till her very last breath, she lived by that, um, which was tr truly incredible to see. You know, it's a testament yeah. to, to her willpower and to her, you know, warrior spirit that she survived 16 years after her initial diagnosis. Yeah, that's that is. I don't commendable is not the, not even strong enough word. I mean, that is just amazing to fight it that long. And you know, I, this I don't know if this resonates with you at all. I uh, I, I remember seeing something a while back, and I forget, I can't remember who this was in reference to, but it was that uh you know cancer they didn't lose cancer didn't beat them they didn't they they weren't beaten by cancer they fought it to a draw. Yeah which is just a really kick-ass way to say, like, you know, that, no, you, it didn't win. And it, but it is such a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. And the fact that she managed to stay so positive in, in the light of that, I mean, is incredible. Yeah, that's it. I mean, she, so she started on um, chemotherapy and all of those things pretty much straight away. She started the treatments, you know, she got incredibly sick. She had weeks where she, pretty much didn't leave her bedroom she was like glued to the toilet bowl just spewing and yeah. all of the cancer stuff that goes along with it but like there's really really great memories that that kind of I have because of those times which is a strange thing to say out loud but you know I remember when her hair first fell out and she shaved her head because she was like I'm not losing my hair because of cancer like my hair is going because I've chosen for it to go yeah so that was one kick-ass thing i was like fuck she's strong like that's so cool but then she bought yeah. a wig and the wig came in the mail and she hated the style uh so she booked an appointment with her hairdresser bloke named mark and we went there together one day and she was we were sitting in the waiting room and mark comes out and she and goes uh, helen you're up and he didn't know that she had cancer nor had lost her hair she was wearing the wig um he goes, Helen, you're up. Let's go wash your hair. And 
like I, I saw her kind of this smile like across her face and I was like well what's she up to and then she goes oh I can't be fucked Mark do it yourself and ripped her wig off and threw it at him <laughs> <laughs> and like the entire salon just stopped you could hear a penny drop it was so quiet apart from mum a few seconds later just belly laughing she thought it was the funniest thing in the world and and that's what my mum was she was she was just funny she was just light-hearted and always wanting to have a a bit of a chuckle about everything you know even if she's dying from cancer she's like i'm just, i'm still gonna laugh because if you don't laugh what else have you got she literally looked death, death in the eyes and laughed in its face pretty much yeah yeah so that's that's one of the coolest memories i have of her was when she threw her wig at mark and everyone shat themselves because they didn't know what was going on <laughs> i that is i i'm so impressed by that i you know i i, I tend to I tend to be a, a jokester myself, and I, I want to say that I'd, I'd have the balls to do something like that in that same situation, but the fact that she did it, man, my, my hat's off to her. That's incredible. Yeah. In retrospect, I think it was probably also her way of just being like, I'm about to tell this man that I have cancer and I don't want it to be this whole, like, I feel sorry for you kind of thing. So she was like, started off with a joke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say I think, I think humor is a defense mechanism in a lot of ways. I've um, I've used that most of my life as a defense mechanism, yeah. And I can imagine that in that moment, I mean, it's one of those that you know might as well have a laugh. And if I can get a joke in, or if we can have a have a joke, I mean, it's at least a little bit of comfort in a really bad, awkward situation. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Now, um, tell me too about uh the the food that she would make with you, because I know you told me that there were several memories you had with her around food. Yeah, so th- the most uh, defining meal would be her tuna mornay now i did also tell you that i refuse to eat tuna in any other form i absolutely despise it but for some reason i don't know why my mum's tuna mornay was just absolutely bomb she was it was so good it was my favorite meal hands down what what is tuna mornay i've never heard of this um so it's kind of like a cheesy creamy pasta dish it's like a pasta bake but with tuna in it it's like super cheesy so i'm, I'm wondering now you know in the, in the states we have tuna casserole and i'm wondering if the, i think it might be something similar yeah i just had to look it up i've never um i'm not a fan of tuna either so i, I can't say that I've ever, I've ever tried it um i do know you had a really amazing story about that though about the the tuna morning do you want to share that with me yeah so to my knowledge, my mum never taught anyone the recipe, never wrote down the recipe. So after she passed, I think it might have been like four or five days after she passed and I was still trying to put, you know, all the pieces back together and make sense of life, you know, without my mum in it. Yeah. And this this realisation absolutely hit me and I think it is one of it's really weird but i think that was the straw that broke the camel's back and that's when i just lost it and was just bawling my eyes out but i realized that i would never eat a tuna mornay again and it just made me so sad because it was such a comfort food for me it was like you know nothing beats a mother's hug but if you can't have a mother's hug at least you can have mother's food and that's just like a nice hug on your soul you know what i mean yeah and um 
I'm, I mourned the Tudor Mornay as well. I was like, God damn it, I'm not going to have this food ever again. I was like searching her freezer, hoping she'd frozen some, but no. So fast forward a few years after her death, she passed in 2015. I met my wife in 2018, uh, now wife. Um, and I think maybe 2020 or 2021, it was the anniversary of mum's passing and I came home from work that day and I walked in the door and this smell just hit me and I was like, that's mum's tuna morning. So unbeknownst to me, my amazing wife had called my sister and asked her if she knew the recipe by any chance. And by a stroke of luck, mum had taught my sister how to make tuna mornay like a couple of months before her passing so my wife made mum's tuna mornay for me on the anniversary of her passing and it was the best it was i'm sorry i'm getting emotional it was the fuck it was the fucking best like i sat down and i closed my eyes and i savored every bite and i just imagined her sitting with me while i ate this food and tasted exactly like hers it was no different it was like it was made by her i'm very very lucky that my wife is an immaculate cook um and yeah i'm so su- i'm so super thankful for for her doing that and to this day if i'm having a rough patch she'll make mum's tuna mornay for me god you're you're getting me teary <laughs> just i mean here to because I mean, you you really what you just said is the, the heart of what this entire show is about. I mean, it's 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 not it's not about fancy food or anything like that. It's I mean, but there's you know you said to yourself there's something about a mother's food. I mean, there's just something about certain foods that you just associate with people, and it's it's doesn't matter what you're going through, how old you are, where they are, where you are. I mean, just being able to eat that thing and just like you said, you're you're with her again. Yeah. I mean, food, not only does it, you know, keep you alive, obviously, but it's those types of foods, they're core memories and being able to activate those core memories really in that moment can bring someone back to life. And it's truly magical. Yeah. I, um, please give your wife a hug for me. Cause I mean, that, that's absolutely incredible. That's, I, I don't know. I just, I, I have so much respect for her. I mean, that is such an act of love and kindness yeah. To, yeah. to do that. Her love language is um, acts of service. So she cooks, she tell. cooks our meals like every day and she really, really puts a lot of love into it. She's actually going to cooking school at the moment um, to better her? hone her craft. But that's, yeah, food's her passion, which is something that my mother would have shared in as well if uh, they were able to meet. So let me ask you this is, you know, for your, for your wife and for your kids, I mean, did, I know your wife understands this, but do your kids understand that that dish is something that was important to grandma? No, no, we haven't. I don't, oh, I reckon they've had it once or twice, but my kids are absolute assholes when it comes to food. And like my (laughs) wife will cook just the most amazing meals and they won't even smell it. They'll just look at it and be like, I don't like it (laughs) and won't touch it. So I think... I think my son, who's my middle child, Roman, I think he's eaten the tuna mornay and I think he liked it. Um, but for the most part, when she makes it, it's just for me. Yeah. 
I've got an almost seven-year-old, so I've 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 made more chicken nuggets and sandwiches and spaghetti than any I ever thought I would in my life. But I I know what you mean. Yeah, my kids are bougie, man. They love chicken nuggets, <laughs> but they're specific <laughs> chicken nuggets, like McDonald's <laughs> chicken nuggets or nothing. We like my son is dinosaur obsessed. He's on the spectrum, so you know obviously with people on the spectrum it's either dinosaurs or trains right (laughs) he's one of the dinosaur ones i can say that because i've got autism as well (laughs) um but even dinosaur nuggets he won't eat which pisses me off because like why wouldn't you eat dinosaur nuggets they're so cool (laughs) yeah i mean i've got a no we don't have the dinosaur nuggets in the freezer right now but nine times out of ten if you check my freezer there's a bag of dinosaur shaped nuggets in it Mm -hmm. And I've told my wife, I don't know what part of the chicken the Tyrannosaurus Rex is, but, you know, it's it's tasty, and I know that my daughter likes them. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, but do you think that's something that you'll you'll share with them as they get older, That you know, just the importance of that dish? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll share the story, whether whether I share the dish or not, I don't know, because yeah. that's, that's my food. Don't touch it. <laughs> if they start liking that shit, that means there's less for me, so I don't want them to. <laughs> well, but you think about it this way. If they start liking it, that means you've got a guaranteed meal that everyone will eat, so you might get it more often. Yeah, but then, look, I could eat it every day, all day, every day, but at the same time, it's it's more special when it's less often. Yeah, that's fair. I can, I can respect that. Um. I do want to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago. Um, you know, you talked about not living in the grief. You know, you mentioned that. Can you tell me more about, you know, what that means to you to not live in the grief and, and try to give yours? Because, you know, I, I'd love to hear how you tried to work through it because it sounds like, you know, you, you held it together for those few days and then you had that kind of realization. And it sounds like that was a powerful moment for you. Can you talk to me more about that? Yeah, I think for me, excuse me, I think for me it... um as I said before, it ebbs and flows, you know, you have your good days and you have your bad days. The the days after her passing, there was a lot of kind of after death admin work that had to be done, you know, like the family had to gather and we had to go through the funeral preparations and were we going to bury her or cremate her? And my grandmother and I got into a massive argument because mum told me that she wanted to be cremated but I come from a very, very devout Catholic family. So my nan was like not having any of it and because she was paying for the funeral. It was this big thing, big, big thing. But, you know, I, I lashed out and I said some things I probably shouldn't have, but, you know, there was a little bit of grace there because of, you know, the fact that my mum was dead. Um, but, you know, I kind of, when 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 shit starts to pile on, I tend to hyper-focus on other things so I don't have to deal with those emotions. Um, I kind of shelf those emotions for a later date when I'm a little bit more regulated and I can proper assess and and figure things out a little bit more internally. Um, unfortunately, with the passing of my mother, even though I did have the days where I grieved and I was... A, highly emotional mess and I didn't want to leave bed and all of that I still didn't work through those feelings and try to heal or anything like that which you know yet again you never heal from the passing of of a loved one but it wasn't until this year when I actually decided to record 
the mini Mother's Day episode for my podcast that I actually realized how much I hadn't dealt with any of it, you know, talking. Cause I go really in depth. Like I talk about, um, you know, the days leading up to her death and, you know, our comings and goings and, uh, kind of all down to her last breath. Uh, and the fact that my brother didn't get to come say goodbye, like he was driving from three hours away and he missed, uh, missed it by like an hour. Um, and in that moment, like I had written, written it all out. So I didn't kind of get sidetracked and writing it out. I was crying a little bit, but then actually recording it and having all of those memories come out of my mouth, I'd realized that that's the first time since her passing, which, you know, is almost eight years later. It was the first time I'd actually talked about those things in detail. And, um, I mean, for anyone listening, you can go and have a look at the video on YouTube that I posted of it. Uh, you can you can see the grief on my face. You can see the tears streaming down my uh, down my face. It's it was it was an incredibly hard thing to do, but it was really really healing and really really cathartic and something that I really needed to do um, because I don't. The whole reason I did it is because I didn't want to spend every Mother's Day kind of going back and forth with grieving my mother and then trying to celebrate my wife and it just it was a bit too much it was kind of this double-edged sword and I felt always felt like I had to choose one or the other and I couldn't kind of exist in the middle somewhere I felt like I was taking something away from my wife Um, and then I also felt that I wasn't honoring my mother in the way that I should so the, the podcast episode it was my my way of celebrating my mother dealing with the grief dealing with the emotions and being in a place finally where I feel like I can move on from those emotions on that day wow that's um that's incredible that's it's powerful it, it was a it was a really powerful episode yeah I mean, but just to have that chance for you to intentionally sit down and and write it out and then and then say what you're thinking. I mean, you talk about the catharsis with that. I I think that's one of the things that people struggle with when grieving is having a, either an opportunity or taking the opportunity to just talk to just just try to get some of that out, just to get it out of your head because there is so much there, and it's hard to process and it's it's messy. But to, to have a chance to just get it out, I mean, just sounds like it was really helpful for you. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very, very healing. Um, I mean, to answer your question in a roundabout way, sorry, I get sidetracked. Um, that's fine. I can't live in those things because if I live in them, then that's my downfall. I start going downhill real fast and I start missing work. I start slacking off on housework and I just am overall not being the best version of myself. So depression and and things like that as is a really kind of slippery slope you know you can surround yourself in those things that you find comfort in like staying in bed and you know eating unhealthy crap and while that in a short term is like a nice comfy weighted blanket if you live in that for too long it's super detrimental I mean, I think, you know, you're the emotional intelligence to realize that and to realize that, you know, it's it's better for you to move on or not move on, but 
move to the next phase, I guess. That's, that's a healthy way to look at it. It, t- it took a long time, but I, I finally got there, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, you know, and I will say this, though, too. You know, you being willing to share that story and especially just to dedicate that to her, to share that with everyone else to that can hopefully relate to it or if they're going through something similar can see that, you know, there is a chance for things to get more bearable, I mean, is, is incredible. Yeah, that's that's Absolutely. the entire reason I put it out there. You know, I've got a couple of friends whose mothers or fathers or any family member or friends had passed away. And, you know, yet again, grief is a universal language. Um, so for me to be vulnerable and share that with the world and honour my mum and have that episode live on on the internet forever, I think yeah. it was just... Even though it's a negative experience that my mum passed away, I kind of just wanted to spin it into like a positive thing to put out into the world. And it's helped yeah. people, you know. I've had messages from people that, you know, aren't even my friends or aren't following me on my social media or just like have happened across the YouTube video or happened across the podcast episode who have just been like, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like that was incredibly heartfelt and... Um, has helped me immensely in, you know, dealing with my uh, emotions. So, f- you know, for that, it's it's like a universal pat on the back for me and I, I'm very, very proud of it. <coughs> As well you should yeah. be. Um, I do want to, before we kind of we kind of wrap things up, I mean, is there anything else that you've learned in the grieving process that you would share with just the broader community just on how to get through that grief or what's helped you anything else um i mean not not really anything that i haven't already shared allow yourself to feel um you know don't feel silly or or embarrassed for having those emotions emotions as i said are genderless you know if you're a man out there that's grieving allow yourself to open up talk to your loved ones go to therapy any of those things you know therapy is an amazing tool in itself but it's not only a tool it's also a teacher you know if you find the right therapist that you can bond with they teach you the tools that you need to be able to survive life and most of the things that it throws at you talk it out allow yourself to feel and just be kind to yourself and understand you're not alone millions of people die every day i'm sure you know and that means millions and millions of people feel grief every day yeah i think it's perfectly said and i i've said before i will say again i am very pro therapy so you know just having somebody to talk to unbiased to just get it out can go a long way yeah 100 percent. well before we uh, before I have you promote your podcast, I, I do always like to end the show by asking, you know, if you had a chance to just have one more meal with your mother, you know, what would you want to have with her? Look, I'd, I would say tuna mornay, but that's that's a very personal thing for me now. As I've already mentioned, I don't like to share that yeah. with anyone. Look, <laughs> I think the perfect, the perfect meal that I could share with mum would be just like a nice sit-down meal at, at our local RSL. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have RSLs in in America. It's kind of like, what could I liken it to? It's a buffet. It's like a sizzler, I guess. 
but there's okay. almost always like pokey machines attached to the restaurant. Uh, and my mum was a bit of a pokey machine fan. <laughs> so, you know, when she was feeling up to it and when she was feeling well enough, we would often go and, you know, have a nice meal. I'd usually have a bit of salt and pepper calamari and she would have, what would she have? She'd have the barramundi usually. She'd like it. She was a fish and chips gal. And then we'd go sink maybe 50 bucks into the pokies. <laughs> it was good fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Carter, I appreciate you sharing so much with us today. I, I really do. Um, I'd love for you to promote your podcast too because, I mean, I think the work you're doing there is really – it's special and it's it's something that people need to hear. Yeah, thanks, mate. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been, uh, yet again, a little more healing. It's always fun to talk about her. She's she's yeah. a cool chick. But, yeah, my podcast is uh, the Touched Out podcast. So I'll delve really quickly into the history of it. Around about 12, 13 months ago, my two-year-old son, Roman, was uh, diagnosed with autism. Shortly thereafter, I was also diagnosed with ADHD and autism as a 35-year-old father of three, uh, which totally sent me for a loop. Uh, I did not know much about autism. Uh, I didn't know much about ADHD. So it was a lot of rebuilding, a lot of soul-searching, a lot of healing, and in my own ways, it was a lot of grief. You know, I would grieve the life that I could have had if there were uh, there was an earlier diagnosis. You know, I could have had a lot more assistance and support throughout school, and I may have been able to make a lot less of the sketchy decisions that I made growing up. But overall, I think it all led me to being like the the type of person that I am today, which overall, I think... I'm not the shittest bloke in the world. <laughs> but the podcast itself started because I, I couldn't find any source material um, that was geared towards parents who were on the spectrum. It was always parents who have kids on the spectrum. And while there were podcasts here and there that had episodes of you know parents on the spectrum and their experiences, I really wanted to just talk to a bunch of people about parenting and about their experiences in life and their trials and tribulations with mental health that led them to becoming the person they are today, let alone the parent they are today. So yeah, we delve, the, the episodes tend to, to get a little a little deep and we, we go through some really vulnerable and, and hectic stuff. You know, my first episode we talked about um, my guest's stepdaughter and how she was shaken as a baby. You know, we talk about suicide attempts, we talk about miscarriages and like all just all of this hectic traumatic shit that, you know, people generally don't talk about. Um, but I think it's just really important to talk about that shit. You know, it's, it's, that's life. People go through miscarriages. People die by suicide. That traumatic stuff is something that can bond us all together. So I have created this podcast as a way to pull community knowledge by talking about our trials and tribulations, our downfalls, our ups, our peaks and valleys, and how that has formed us into the somewhat emotional, emotionally regulated people that we are today and how we are trying to carry on that emotional regulation to our kids uh, by parenting them the best we can. I really do love that. I mean, it's 
there are so many things you just touched on that we that people aren't comfortable talking about and it's we've we've buried them off to the side and it's I, I really think it's important we do talk about these things you know it's they're not fun they're not happy I guess in a lot of cases but I mean it is important that people know that they're not alone I mean because being a parent can be so isolating in some ways and you don't realize it until you're in it and you know you giving people an outlet and space to talk about that I, I, I love that yeah I think it's super important and I think the whole reason that you know mental health and conversations around mental health is so taboo is because people are scared to say that stuff because they're scared of how people are going to perceive them but if we normalize it it'll be normal you know <laughs> like people won't be scared and that's super important you know especially in men it's a super super un- underrepresented um thing in in the mental health space is, is you know men talking about their emotions and unfortunately men are twice as likely to commit suicide because of that fact so you know we talk about toxic masculinity and things like that and and the ways in which that has this impact in society and yeah i'm just trying to change that i love that man carter thank you so much for sharing and thank you for being on i i really appreciate it more than welcome andrew and as a parent yourself mate you're more than welcome to come on my podcast any old time hey i'd be happy to awesome well we'll be in touch sounds good thanks mate Thank you again to Carter for joining me today and talking about his story. You can listen to more Carter by subscribing to the Touched Out podcast. As always, I'm going to link to it and his other links in the show notes. So go give him a follow. Check out what he's doing. I, uh, I just I love, you know, what he's doing, talking about parenthood and giving parents a way to, I don't know, vent's the right word, but just talk about the experience because I have found it is something you don't fully understand until you are in the the thick of it. So, I'm a big fan. You can also subscribe to Our Last Mill wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, please take time to read and review so that other people can find the podcast. Um, I'd also love if you'd follow Our Last Mill on social media. So, Instagram, threads, uh, TikTok, YouTube, all of that at Our Last Mill Pod or visit rlastmill.com. If you're ever interested in being a guest on the show, if you'd like to share your story or just have a conversation, uh, go to share your story at the top of the website or feel free to send me a message on any social media and I'll be happy to get back with you. Until next time, please take care of yourselves and share a meal with someone you care about.